Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded November 30th, 2022. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, our thoughts on the 2023 outlook for the U.S. equity market. Three big things you need to know. First, our year-end 2023 S&P 500 target of 4,100 is unchanged, though we have lowered our 2023 S&P 500 EPS forecast by roughly 4% to 199. Second, we continue to anticipate choppy conditions in U.S. equities over the next few quarters. And third, in terms of higher-level positioning, we prefer U.S. equities over non-U.S. equities, value over growth, and small cap over large cap. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other major providers. Now let's get into the details. Takeaway number one, there's no change to our year-end 2023 S&P 500 target of 4,100, which we introduced back in October, though we have lowered our 2023 S&P 500 EPS forecast by about 4% to 199. Our 4,100 target represents a gain of 3% from Monday's close. It's the median of five different models encompassing analysis on the economy, valuation, sentiment, politics, and stocks versus bonds. Our most optimistic test puts the index at 4,600, our bull case if our base case of 4,100 is too conservative. For our 199 EPS forecast, we are leveraging consensus economic forecasts as tracked by Bloomberg, baking in sub-1% real GDP throughout 2023 and CPI that falls to 3.1% at the end of the year. We also bake in a few Fed cuts in the second half and the 10-year yield returning to 3.5%. The two big things contributing to the downshift in our 2023 EPS forecast are first, weaker GDP assumptions than our last update, And second, our new interest expense model, which increased our expectations for the bite that interest expense will take out of earnings. The 199 puts us even farther below consensus, which is still tracking around 231. Moving on to takeaway number two, we continue to anticipate choppy conditions in U.S. equities over the next few quarters. We continue to see stocks as caught in a tug of war between the bulls and the bears. On the bullish side, our sentiment work is constructive. Net bullishness was still below minus 10% in the latest AAII survey, normally accompanied by a 15% 12-month forward return in the stock markets. And our valuation model also implies that moderating inflation and slightly lower interest rates by the end of next year can support some very modest PE expansion into the low 20s on a trailing basis. Both of those help push our price target up. On the flip side, the Fed is still a problem. The S&P 500 is typically down one month before final hikes, which our economics team and rate strategy team expect to happen in March. And as we've discussed on the podcast before, the S&P 500 is also trading on the 2002-2003 path, another period of messy normalization post-crisis. Back then, stocks peaked in November and retested the October low in March. The U.S. invasion of Iraq helped put in the final market bottom back then, but we have a hard time seeing geopolitics getting better anytime soon. Other challenges include a limping economy, stocks are typically flat when full-year GDP is in the 0-2% range, and the diminished appeal of stocks relative to bonds. This was also a problem as 2011 and 2018, both tough years in the S&P 500, began, and we see evidence of this in our dividend yield test and earnings yield gap analysis. Another problem is the need for sell-side earnings estimates to come down more. 
Digging into earnings a bit more, there are a couple of interesting data points to keep in mind as we ponder what further estimate cuts mean for stocks. First, it's worth noting that stocks are already trading like a major hit to EPS growth is coming. Second, in percentage terms, most cuts in bad earnings years are typically done by April, and for all the talk about how 2023 numbers still need to come down, it's not unreasonable to assume that we can get most of these cuts done by April since this is the sharpest earnings downgrade cycle we've seen since 2009. And third, we'd keep a close eye on the rate of upward EPS estimate revisions for individual companies in the S&P 500. Typically, the stock market itself bottoms three to six months before the rate of upward revisions turns positive again. In other words, stocks do tend to bottom while earnings expectations are still being cut. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three. In terms of higher level positioning, we prefer U.S. equities over non-U.S. equities, value over growth, and small cap over large cap. On U.S. non-U.S., fundamentals still favor the U.S. for now. Recession odds are lower in the U.S., and the U.S. tends to outperform when recessions occur. That being said, valuations are stretched, and we suspect that once a bottom is firmly in place, non-U.S. equities will assume leadership again. On growth versus value, balance sheets look better for value right now, and the stronger dollar is a bigger problem for growth stocks than value stocks. Recessions also tend to usher in big, sticky leadership shifts, which favors value. All that being said, growth is higher quality, a factor that tends to work over time. And also, we tend to see that growth stocks outperform value stocks when GDP is weak or running below trend. In terms of potential triggers to get us back into the growth trade, we'd keep an eye on 10-year yields, as declines in 10-year yields tend to favor growth stock outperformance. And relative valuations are also worth watching, as they are starting to turn attractive for growth versus value right now, but just barely so. Our highest highest higher level conviction call is small cap over large cap right now. As a reminder, we upgraded small cap to overweight back in July, and small caps have actually been outperforming large cap since mid-May. We were early on this call and see more room to run. There are really four things we like about small cap right now. First, valuations still look attractive in both absolute and relative terms versus large caps. Second, small caps are more domestic, meaning the stronger dollar is less of a headwind. Third, small caps have a better earnings profile than large caps right now, with better trends on earnings revisions and margins seen at the moment. And fourth, small caps already appear to be baking in a recession. Small cap performance is already trading as though a spike in jobless claims beyond what we've seen already has occurred, and as though we've seen a big plunge in ISM manufacturing back to its typical troughs. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded, and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.